It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. That's one of my favorite parts of that uh, show open. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. And how about a little rain? How about that yesterday, huh? I uh, tweeted at uh, Kirk Mellish and Brad Nitz and Brian Monahan from Channel 2 Action News and was like, what is this wet stuff? It was incredible. But having that rain shower, at least where I was in Cherokee County, having that rain shower right during the sunset, it was beautiful. A lot of folks noticed on social media they were sharing pictures at, uh, at dusk, the sky went from like a peach color to then it was, you know, battling through the clouds, showing some pink and some purple. So it was really, really fantastic and had even had a couple of uh, of cracks of lightning and, and thunder as well right there at dusk, right before 8 o'clock. So that was nice. So we no longer really have to talk about this long, dry spell. And I wanted to look into that a little bit more for you and just kind of let you know in, in 2021 where we are so according to uh, the College of Agriculture and Environmental Sciences, they keep a website, the University of Georgia Weather Network website. And you've heard Walter and I over the years talk about that, georgiaweather.net. You can see soil temperatures. You can see dew points, humidity, rainfall, all of that calculated from different weather stations throughout the state. So last year at this time, to get you some perspective, from January to the end of May of last year, 2020, we were already at 37 total inches of rain. So this year, in that same time frame, from January to the end of May, here we are, May 29th, close enough, 22 inches. So we are a little behind last year, but on average, that is that runs about right with 2019, 2018 and so on and so forth. So a really good soaking rain was great. Now remember, though, to readjust your sprinklers if they're on automatic timers or whatever. You don't need to go ahead and have the sprinklers running overnight this morning as you're waking up and you see that uh, that they're still on. You can go ahead and adjust those. And we'll talk a little bit more about that and when it is more on us to keep things properly watered. Maybe the use of soaker hoses, timers, ways that you can be a little smart about it. So to open the show today, um, I've talked a lot about vegetable gardening, and I know maybe half of you, maybe a little less than half, not interested, you're not doing it, you either don't have the room, you don't have the time, you say you don't have a green thumb, so you don't want to give it a shot, so I understand that. So talking about the change in weather now as we transition from spring into summer, and we pretty much had summer right in our face last week with no rain and, and high temperatures around the 90s. Uh, but houseplants, maybe that is more applicable to many of you that are interested in gardening, in a sense, with houseplants. So I wanted to go over some things as we're making that transition. And that was one of my top three things to do, right, a couple weeks ago, was slowly start bringing some of those houseplants outside. Not in full sun, not in direct sun, but get them used to it. I mean, most of them are tropical. They love being outside. They they do fine in the heat. So some things to keep in mind, just to keep an eye on your houseplants, okay? So they crave your attention, especially in the summer months. You've got to show them a little more attention than you would at other times of the year. Number one, whether you've moved them outside, slowly transitioning them outside, or they're still in the house, you want to recheck the sun exposure. Watch where the light falls in each area of your living space and kind of move the plants around accordingly. Um, a windowsill that was maybe once protected, the sun's changed a little bit it may now become a really bright window that gets a lot more sun than shade. Now, a sign that a plant has too much sun, 
and too much bright light, the leaves are going to look scorched a little bit, so a little bit of discoloration, and the foliage has gone limp. So too little causes slow growth, too little sun, slow growth. The stems are going to be leggy because think about it. All of those leaves are reaching toward any light they can, so they're going to look a little stemmy, a little pale, uh, maybe smaller. Maybe they haven't grown out as big as the other leaves, or they're going to die. So if usually the perky plants are looking kind of dreary and dried out, uh, give them a change of scenery. You can certainly move things around. And also that applies to even if the sun exposure hasn't changed in the window where you have these house plants, always rotating them. Um, one in particular that, well, actually two. I've got a maidenhair fern that's tiny, tiny, tiny. I, I almost let it die. And I, it always gets about three or four new little fronds. And then I usually let them die because I'll go for a spell where I forget to water it. And it always, it's fight, it's a fighter. It, it fights back. But that I kind of have to rotate because all of the, the fronds will be facing the window kind of almost upright. So I'll rotate that. But a croton, a croton is a really pretty colorful, tropical colored leafy plant. It doesn't flower that I know of, but it's popular in Florida. You see it everywhere in Lanai's in Florida. Uh, the leaves change all different colors. They're pretty thick. But my croton does well as a house plant, but the leaves literally almost turn sideways, um, almost vertically reaching the sun. So I always rotate that pot. All right. So number two, this is important for many, many house plants. And one in particular, I'm thinking of peace lily, humidity. You've got to keep an eye on not only temperature, but humidity. A consistent room temperature of about 70 to 80 degrees is going to be fine. You do have to have some humidity in the air. And the way you can increase that, cluster the plants close together, if you've got multiple plants, using a humidifier in the room where you keep plants, or just frequently misting the air around them with a spray bottle. I know that sounds silly if you're not spraying the plants directly, but kind of just, you know, mist the room a little bit. They don't want uh, cold air. They don't want to be right in front of a drafty window in the wintertime. They don't want to be right above a vent or anything like that. So just remember to keep them away from drafts uh, because what that does is seals the moisture. So the leaves are fighting that much harder to retain the moisture they have. Number three, water. Whenever the soil is dry, and you always heard Walter talk about a digital thermometer versus analog. An analog was your finger. That's really all you need to determine as a, as a measuring stick of whether a houseplant needs water or not. So when they start asking for more water, you're going to see those signs. They're going to droop. And a peace lily, again, uh, spathophyllum, that's another really good example of a plant. You can let it droop. It's okay. It's not going to kill it. it. That's just its way of showing you it needs some water. So stick your finger in there, at least down to your knuckle. See if the top layer of soil is dry. If it is, water. And I wouldn't even say mark it on the calendar. You know, go through and water your houseplants every Wednesday. I wouldn't even say that because they do have different needs. And you only water as needed. So unless it's telling you it needs it every seven days, do it as needed. Some days it may be nine. Some days it may be five. If it's a really hot day, it's in a bright window, it's going to go through a little bit more water. And feed once a week. Summer's warmer air and the additional sunlight just makes indoor plants grow like weeds. Growth spurts, of course, use up a lot of energy, so they need some fertilizer. Number five, keep the plants clean and pest-free. And this is what I need to get a little bit better about. Using a damp cloth or a damp rag to wipe off those big broad leaves right if they have dust um, it blocks the leaves right so they just need to be clean be wiped off and as you're doing that too you're looking for any pests gnats mealybugs any kind of mites they may hide in the soil you're going to see that or on the undersides of the leaves so they'll leave behind signs for sure you'll figure it out there will be speckled spots on the leaves 
maybe some pale spots where they've sucked out the sap or any kind of webbing. So as you're wiping them down with a little cloth, you can certainly start spraying the plant off or treating it with an insecticide if needed. And last, repotting. This one seems so intimidating, and I certainly have an orchid. I should probably repot, but I just don't want to mess it up. I mean, it's got all those air roots coming out of it, and, it, and I know that's fine. Um, but one way to tell is if you see the roots coming out, that's normal. Um, but if you see roots coming out, if you see water just running straight out of the drainage hole, maybe the growth has slowed or it's just demanding a lot more water, then it's pretty crowded in there. You can almost guarantee it's pretty crowded. So the plant's trying to tell you that it's just cramped, it needs more space. So a rule of thumb when you're repotting a house plant, I would never go more than one to two inches of a larger pot. So if it's currently in a 16-inch pot, buy a new one that's 17 or 18 inches, no more. I wouldn't go from a 16-inch pot to a 22-inch pot. That's going to be a little too much. And it's less soil you have to buy, too. So if you have the pike potting mix or potting soil, you're just going to have to add a little bit more. And the roots need some some room to move around. So healthy, growing houseplants respond well to repotting now, in the spring and in the summer. So if a houseplant shows signs of stress or it's in bloom, though, it is best to wait. So let it go through its blooms, let it do what it does, and then wait to repot it. So there you go. There's my soapbox. Something a little bit different today. 404-872-0750, taking your calls throughout the show today, here with you until 9 a.m. And coming up on the show this morning, uh, in the next little bit, maybe 15 minutes or so, we're going to await a phone call from Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener, talking about growing asparagus. If you've ever had a curiosity, if you had it for dinner last night and you just never thought you could grow it, you certainly can. He's got all the information for us there. Um, also, in the 7 o'clock hour, Norm Mitleider. You've heard me talk about him on the show. Certified aesthetic Japanese maple pruner. We're going to talk about frost damage you may still be seeing in your trees if you see something doesn't look quite right. And I always ask him about hydrangeas. And so many of you are enjoying your hydrangeas right now here at the WSB studios, actually. I had a meeting out in our courtyard yesterday. Me and Jamie were sitting out there having a nice little meeting. And so many of the hydrangeas on our property here at the studio they look gorgeous. We've got the macrophylla, the mop head, bright blue. The blooms are getting bigger and bigger right next to an oak leaf hydrangea that looks so beautiful. So we'll certainly have some questions for Norm. So maybe hold on to those hydrangea questions for him. And in the 8 o'clock hour, Clark Howard joins me. I've never had Clark Howard on Green and Growing. I don't know that he was ever on the Lawn and Garden Show. Who knows what we'll talk about, but I can't wait. And maybe if you have plant questions for uh, for Clark, I actually already have a good one from a listener that left one. Hilarious one, too. Leave them for me on the Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB. Visit that on Facebook and leave a question for Clark. I think we could stir up a pretty interesting conversation, he and I. So can't wait to hear from you this morning. 404-872-0750. We'll be back with the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. So as many of you are aware, it rained yesterday. Yay, that felt really good. So today, though, for your Memorial Day holiday, the extended weekend, partly cloudy skies, only a 10% chance for rain. So it's just going to be 
little overcast mix of sun and clouds, breezy, a little less humid. Highs around the mid-70s, lows around 51, 52. Great day tomorrow. Sunny highs again in the mid-70s and partly cloudy for your Memorial Day Monday. A little hotter, high of around 85 and low around 63. And a friend of mine, Phil Hardwick, wrote a great article um, about Memorial Day, which I may actually share on the Facebook page. Remember why we celebrate Memorial Day is the Memorial Day weekend is here. Um, all of those who have given their lives in the service of this country and what all of that means. So he wrote something, the horror of war, the families of the fallen, patriotism, the freedom that has come from a strong U.S. military, the leadership there and the use of the military, the veterans' needs not being addressed, and the commercialization of holidays, which we're so famous for here in the United States. But please do take a minute to really remember the reason that we're all uh, enjoying this relaxed weekend. Green and Growing! Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. So with that being said and ready to kick off summer, I know not the official start, but the kids are out of school. Think about adding red, white, and blue plants to your beds and containers. A little patriotic flair. They will take you through this weekend, even Independence Day, and so those summer annuals, even up to Labor Day. So you can consider petunias, calibrachoa, which look like little petunias. Uh, pentas are great. Bee balm, that attracts pollinators. Pineapple, sage, blue salvia, and morning glories have a little bit of a bluish, purplish tint to them. Uh, number two, use soaker hoses and water timers to irrigate annuals, perennials, and shrubs. The hose conserves water, and the timer makes it easier on you. Most hoses, soaker hoses, will apply one gallon per foot per hour. Just keep that in mind when you're running them. And number three, I like sprinkling in stuff from the Farmer's Almanac. I think it's interesting. Uh, it's based on the moon phases. Don't know if you believe it or not. I haven't, you know, there's no scientific proof to this, but I just think it's interesting. So according to the Farmer's Almanac, tomorrow and Monday are the best days to kill plant pests because those days are barren, according to the moon calendar. I don't know. It's just interesting. All right, looking forward to chatting with you, 404 750 up first, right after the news, we're going to talk to Kristen in Woodstock about orchids and help her out there. We've got to keep it simple. I'll give you that. A lot of us are intimidated by those. We want to keep them so beautiful. They almost look like fake flowers, but it's easier than you think. And the Walter Reeves will be along to tell us everything we need to know about growing asparagus. Again, 404-872-0750. You're waking up to green and growing right here on 95.5 WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Glad you're here on a long weekend. Maybe some of you aren't. Maybe some of you are sleeping in. Well, for those of you that are up and with us early, I certainly appreciate it. Coming up on 6.36 here with you until 9 o'clock. And I think Dave Baker, he's going to be live in studio too from 9 to noon coming up with the Home Fix-It show. Want to get right to calls? We've got a couple of good ones. Up first, as promised, Kristen in Woodstock. Hey, good morning, Kristen. 
Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. My daughter gave me an orchid for Mother's Day, and I've never grown one before, and I'm really nervous I'm going to kill it. <laughs> I've always heard they're kind of hard, but I don't know. What, you know, what does it need? <laughs> they they used to be for me. Um, I would get them either for Valentine's Day or you know our anniversary or something. And I can't tell you how many I killed before I actually yes. was able to keep two alive. Um, and they are still with us four years later. So what it is, Kristen, and I don't want this to sound like an oversimplified answer for you. We overthink them because for whatever reason, and some people are just as as intimidated like by African violets too. But I learned a lot about orchids from a, a former coworker's son who's like 14 years old, and he has every variety of orchid in his bedroom, you can imagine. Wow. And, I mean, yeah, uh, from the mouths of babes. I mean, he's like, really, you don't do much with orchids. So you're going to kill it if you overwater it because you're really concerned. So mm-hmm. people always say the ice cube trick and drop the ice cube in the soil and let that just kind of melt down. That never worked for me for whatever reason. <laughs> So about every two weeks, and like I said, I never set a date on the calendar like every other Wednesday. I just kind of do it when I think about it. But about every two weeks, give or take, I you know how it's it's in the pot, but then in that outside pot is like a smaller little clear plastic container that it's in. Right. So it's got two containers, really. So what I do is bring it to the kitchen sink. I fill up the entire container up to the top with water And I just let it soak on the counter, maybe for an hour, just walk away, go do some other things, come back and then take the little indoor or inside plastic part out of the larger pot, dump all the water out, make sure the the roots and the small little interior pot dry out pretty good, put it back in the exterior pot and then just put it in a sunny spot and you never have to think about it again. I do that about every two weeks. I just soak it for an hour or so. That's the best water. You mentioned a sunny spot, but... Mm -hmm. It doesn't want direct sun. Is that I've read that. Is that true? Right. Yeah, just a bright window. Um, but the sun okay. doesn't have to beat down on it. Mine, honestly, is in an eastern-facing window, so it gets a lot of bright sun, you know, up okay. until about 11 a.m., and that seems to make it happy. And I do turn it because the leaves will start to, you know, certainly lean toward oh. the sun. Um, and then fertilize it when it's an active growth. So every couple of weeks when you're looking carefully at it and soaking it and, and watering it, you'll see new little leaves or even the tips of the air roots. You know, those you'll see the newer roots because the very tips have green. Um, so when it's oh, okay. really starting to put out some new growth in that regard, I'd go ahead and do a fertilizer. And I just had, I can't remember the brand name. It may have been miracle Grow, but it's the blue powder. Um, and I just dissolve. <laughs> I did by the label directions, but dissolved that in like a half gallon milk container. And I just kept that under the kitchen sink. And so about mm, when it's an active growth, maybe every six weeks or so, I would put that in that liquid, you know, diluted blue powder. I would put that fertilizer in one of the times that I was soaking it. Um, And about every six weeks I would do that. And it's happy. Now it hasn't rebloomed in a little while. And I'm not going to tell you when it's going to bloom because everyone's, is different, you know, just based on mm-hmm. when you bought it and when the blooms that it had faded. Um, so if it's not blooming, don't worry. It, it will when it's ready. And then what about the sticks? <laughs> do you keep them in there? I mean, do Once, you need to put more in if you get future growth? I'm maybe. Confused. Yeah, I would keep it in. But once the blooms fade, I'm, I'm assuming yours still has the really pretty flowers yes. on it, right? Yes. So keep the stick in there with that little, you know, mini hair clip looking thing. 
Um, but once all those blooms fade, you're going to enjoy them for maybe six to eight weeks. Um, but mm -hmm. once they start to fade, go all the way down to the base of that stem, cut it, and then you can yank that stick out of there. But I keep them. I just keep them up on a top shelf for when I do get new growth okay. and then I reuse the stick. All right. That's yeah. great advice. Thank yeah, you so I much. Think, yeah, you're you're well on your way. Just don't overwater. And I soaking it works for me. Um, a lot of people do have success with the ice cube thing. But since I don't do that, I couldn't even tell you how often to do it. Okay. So, yeah, I've heard I think, about misting too. Is that something um, that you've ever done? They do like humidity. So if you think that it's in a really dry room that, you know, the air conditioning runs a lot and it stays pretty dry, that wouldn't hurt. It certainly wouldn't hurt. Okay. I'll try it all. Oh, Thank you. Yeah, you're so welcome. I'm glad you called. Good luck with it. What a good gift. I mean, it's just absolutely beautiful. And don't worry, we can keep it alive. I love it. Thanks for the call, Kristen. All right. He's on hold now, as promised, this time every Saturday. Walter Reeves. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG Garden Guru, Walter Reeves. It's that time of the show, everybody. Welcome to Green and Growing Up. Got Walter Reeves on the line. Good morning, sir. Hey, Ashley. I'm always curious as to what we're going to talk about. Like, we do plan ahead a little bit, but, I mean, the topics can cover anything and everything. We have a yeah. fun time. So this time, this topic is your idea, and what was your inspiration for this idea? My inspiration was a young gardener who emailed me a couple of weeks ago and said, when do I get any asparagus? Mine is already three feet tall. It has these thin, narrow, ferny like leaves on it. There's nothing that looks like asparagus in the garden, in the grocery store. What do I do? Why don't I get any asparagus? Yeah, I guess and we so just I kind of the, assume summertime is everything, but not necessarily. Yeah, yeah, I had the greatest time explaining to her how how asparagus grows. And I think a lot of our listeners might not know how asparagus grows and when you harvest it and why it's different from all the other vegetables we plant in the garden. Well, let's do it. I love asparagus. All right. I'm all ears. And Mickey Gasaway and I talked about it back maybe around February or March, and we were both inspired to do it. And I think she did, and I didn't, so I guess I have to <laughs> wait till next year. But um, could we be doing anything now, or we just need to sit back and learn from this and then make plans yeah, for the future? Yeah, sit back and learn. Sit okay. back and learn. Just right. hang, hang your horses here. Well, the first thing that's different about asparagus and other vegetables in the garden is asparagus is perennial, meaning you plant it once and you harvest from it for the next five, ten years maybe. Whereas tomatoes, you know, you plant them every year, they die in the fall, you dig them up, you throw them away, and plant new plants every spring. But asparagus, you plant the roots, and usually in the wintertime. And the bed, because it's perennial, the bed that you plant asparagus in has to be really dug up nicely and you know, all the lumps and stones and stuff taken out of it and manure maybe dug into it and just all the weeds certainly come out of it too. And so you really make a good job out of making the bed for asparagus really, really good, really good soft soil. Does it need asparagus roots will be living there for another five or ten years. Does it need full sun? Full, full, full sun. Okay. Asparagus then, when the roots have established themselves, it's been going for a little while. They'll send up in the spring, in February, a little spear, a little thing about the size of your finger. And you see these in grocery stores, those spears that come out of the ground. That's when you harvest asparagus. The very first time you see the asparagus above the ground is when you harvest it. And that's different from peppers and tomatoes and squash because of them you have to plant the plant. And you wait a while, you wait a couple of months before the fruit is ripe and ready to be, hit, be picked. Asparagus, you wait to first come out of the ground, little spears, beat your finger, and you cut them off a little bit below the soil level. 
And the first year you can harvest three or four or five of the spears and not many much more because the roots are still sort of establishing themselves. You wait for another week or two after you harvest those first spears, more replacement spears will come up and you let them develop into the ferny, pretty, I think pretty, about three foot high, light colored uh, ferns they're called, hmm. the ferns of the asparagus. And you leave them grow on the plant, on the roots for the rest of the summer. In August, well, closer to September. In September, they'll turn yellow. And when they turn yellow, you can just chop them off and throw them away. And clear off all the weeds, and you're ready for next year. Next February, the first spears that come up, now you can harvest a few more because the roots are more established. You can harvest maybe 10 or 15 of the spears off the plant. And then you let some of the spears go develop in the ferns. Great, that was wonderful. They turn yellow in the fall, but cut them off, throw them away. The third year, Man, you can harvest all sorts of spears off that thing. There'll be spears shooting up every day. You'll see three or four or five. You'll mess for a week. There's spears, spears coming up. And then you let the ferns grow up and process over again. So asparagus is a really, really fun plant to grow because it's so long-lived. But it's also one you have to know that little trick. Harvest early. Don't wait till it turns into a fern. So we've probably harvested all the asparagus we're going to get by, what, April, May? you by end of February. What? Really? It only, it's only about a week or two, maybe, in there that the spears are coming up. Wow. Because if you, uh, again, if you let them stay on the plant for very long, they're going to turn the end of the plant with real fibrous, real chewy, <laughs> like sawdust. That makes me think and, of okra. When you leave okra on too long, yeah, it gets kind yeah, of woody. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So they Can't all emerge at once? Pretty much, over about oh. a 10-day period. I got one more for you. Okay. Big word, dioecious. Oh, boy. Remember that word, dioecious, dioecious, dioecious. Dioecious means you have a male and a female plant that are different from each other. So you have male asparagus plants and you have female asparagus plants. Both of them have spheres. The female plants are bigger and they make uh, seeds. The male plants are, well, I don't say that backwards. The male plants are bigger and don't make seeds. Female plants are a little smaller and do make seeds. Both of them have spears, and you can eat both of them, no problem with that. But most people would prefer to have male plants in their garden because the male plants just make bigger spears. And you can buy, if you look online, the asparagus garden centers. They've got Jersey Giant and Jersey Male and uh, Princeton Male and things like that that are mostly male plants, and that's what you would use in the garden, not Martha Washington or Mary Washington. They were so old. They were so old. They were around in the 1900s. They were so old varieties. We don't use those anymore. What's your preference to eat? Like, I, I don't mind steaming them. Um, occasionally, I'll, I'll roast asparagus. But do you like the really big spears, or do you like the skinnier ones that are like the size of a pencil? Like, what tastes better to you? Pencil. pencil Me too. Steamed. Me too. Yeah. Like, when you can sort of bend them real easily and stick them on the fork and take a whole big mouthful of one. Yeah, that's good. Good eating. I'm really intrigued by that. And, you know, I was telling you off the air, I saw this debate. My goodness, on these gardening Facebook pages, people get a little prickly about stuff. But some lady was asking about the leaves of her, her, her asparagus. And I don't know if she was referring to the fern part or if she was referring uh, to the tip of the asparagus that almost it's kind of like a little mini artichoke, you know, with little, I mean, I guess yeah, you could call right. them leaves. But people were correcting her. Oh, they were being so mean. Oh, come. Asparagus doesn't have leaves, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I was like, I think I know what she means. Like, calm down, you know. <laughs> yeah, big hairy deal. As long as you grow asparagus and happy, who cares what it's called, a leaf or a 
tip or a non-leaf or a flint. Yeah, yeah. And You're the right. fern part, the fern part is really pretty. But like you said, you just kind of wait till it starts to yellow, and then that's a good time. Almost like that makes me think of daffodils too. Like people, the the foliage starts to brown and yellow. And you're just like, okay, now it's starting to look ugly. Now I can kind of cut that stuff off. It's a good job this weekend for me. I looked at mine yesterday. And it's all turning yellow, which means it's time to cut it off and discard it and let other things go up most with that bills. Well, thank you for the heads up. Now, I will tell folks um, if they would love to learn more or take some, some better note on everything Walter just said about asparagus, go to WalterReeves.com, WalterReeves.com. And in the search bar there at the, at the top, Type in asparagus, and oh my goodness, just right off the top, you have at least 20 articles on asparagus. Yeah, one, some things about harvesting at the right time. And a good one I thought from Ohio about how to control weeds and asparagus. If you if the bamboo grass gets ahead of you, which it always did in mm-hmm. the asparagus plants on my farm when I was a kid, if the bamboo grass gets ahead of you, there's a way to control bamboo grass and asparagus, which you have to read the article to see exactly what to do. There it is. There it is. Walter's website is like an encyclopedia. Any plant you ever have a question about, I'm 99% sure it will be somewhere on that website for sure. Well, hey, thank you so much. I'm really excited. Next Saturday, we're going to be talking about insecticides. You're going to school me and the listeners a little bit on uh, proper usage, you know, determining which ones you need and what, what bugs we're really trying to combat this time of year. Which one really worked? Okay, I'll prepare for it. That's good. (laughs) All right, no homework necessary. You already know. Well, thanks. Have a good weekend, Walter. Yeah, Ashley. And speaking of bugs, the cicadas have just about wrapped up, right? But uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about that, and I'll help you with some uh, Memorial Day weekend decorating around the house. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. The weather update for the weekend brought to you by Finley Roofing. It is refreshing today, partly cloudy, a mix of sun and clouds, breezy, cooler, less humidity, highs almost to the mid-70s, same tomorrow, but sunny, and then partly cloudy again from your Memorial Day Monday with a high around 85. Green, green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. It rained yesterday, but otherwise, I was going to tell you, number one, use soaker hoses. Install those and a water timer to irrigate annuals, perennials, and shrubs. The hose conserves water by watering right where the plant needs it, and the timer makes it easy on you. Most hoses apply one gallon per foot per hour. Number two, this is just a fun fact if you want to believe this or not. According to the Farmer's Almanac and the Moon Calendar, tomorrow and Monday are the best days to uh, kill plant pests because they are barren days. Interesting. Number three, add a red, white, and blue plants to your beds and containers for a patriotic flair for Memorial Day, Independence Day, and Labor Day. You'll enjoy them all the way through that. Uh, Petunias, pentas, maybe some bee balm and blue salvia are good ideas. And just so you know, garden annuals are on sale through Monday at Pike. Normally the, I think, four and a half inch or four packs Four packs that are regularly three forty nine are on sale for two forty nine, so you save a dollar 
on each one. Okay, so coming up at 7 o'clock, we're going to talk to Jim in Blue Ridge, a low-maintenance grass for an embankment, hopefully just to maybe prevent some erosion. And uh, I have a minute here. I wanted to share. We talked about cicadas there at the end of the conversation with Walter because next week we're going to talk about insecticides, but that is not something you wanted to use on these uh, Brood 10, these 17-year cicadas. I think they're kind of winding down their time, but Union County, my goodness, they have been really largely affected up in the Blairsville area there near Brasstown, Bald, and all of that. But uh, 230 that have been at least reported by trackers uh, in McKaysville, and then really not so many when you get down towards Jasper and Marietta, some to Dahlonega as well. So don't you fear, that is almost over. All right, more hours of green and growing right here on WSB. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secure Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. 